Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Karis Hogarty, Head of People at Ada an automation platform that is powering brand interactions between companies and their customers. She is a coach, mentor, and people management specialist with over 25 years of experience in various talent acquisitions and people operations roles. Karis has worked for both startups and large multinational organizations across various industries while supporting teams across multiple geographies. She was also recently named to Business Insider's 2022 HR Innovators list. Listen as we discuss some of the changes and challenges facing workforces as they prepare for a new normal and chart a path forward for 2022 and beyond. Let's check out the episode. Karis, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. And congratulations on being named to that Business Insider's 2022 HR Innovators list. That's a really great thing to be called out for. Absolutely. But but I have to give a lot of kudos to those that came before me at Ada, because I think a lot of what we speak about is um, is foundational. And so over the last couple of years, we've definitely seen an increase in our ability to be innovative in the HR space. And, you know, I feel like I'm carrying forward the baton and making improvements as well since, since I joined. So uh, a, a team effort, I would say. As most great accomplishments are, a team effort for sure. But uh, congratulations nonetheless. So Karis, before we jump into talking about returning to work and some of the challenges and what that means for employees and employers as we make this shift from a mostly remote working arrangement to a different setup, right, of either hybrid work or a full return to the office, I want to learn more about you. So can you tell us more about how you got your start in human resources and a bit more about your current role as head of people at Ada? Yeah, for sure. So most of my career was actually spent in the talent acquisition and recruiting space. So my my first kind of foray into the people side of things, I would say, was on the agency side and working for a variety of different agencies, primarily in the executive search space to support businesses in ramping up their or scaling up or or replacing their teams in a number of different industries, um, geographies, functional areas, uh, which I had a ton of fun in and, and really, really enjoyed. And then I was given the opportunity, I'm going to go back to probably about 2015, to actually join an organization which was a pulp and paper manufacturing company and joined them as as head of uh, talent acquisition, but also workforce planning. And so that started to get me more into the more generic space. I'd always had an interest in it and had done some um, uh, some qualifications in the past, some HR qualifications and certifications, uh, more at the foundational level. But this gave me a real opportunity to put it into practice. And it was such an incredible learning experience. And since then, although staying close to the talent acquisition space, I've really been able to expand right across the portfolio of, of HR, of the HR function to get involved in everything from total rewards and benefits through to the HR business partners, employee relations, through to you know more around HR technology, learning and development and, and other key areas. So it's, it's been a, an evolution, I would say, over the last kind of eight to 10 years. That's a great path and certainly provided a ton of diverse experience along the way, which has led you now to your role as head of people at Ada. Yeah, I I joined back in October uh, of 2021, which was uh, an incredible opportunity for me. My prior organization was a 
large multinational publicly traded commercial real estate firm with a ton of opportunities and, and great challenges there for an individual such as myself, you know, continuing to grow it in my career. But last year as well, I just recently completed my executive MBA. And a large part of that, that that I found a lot of interest in was around entrepreneurship and, you know, some of the other kind of key areas around technology. And so when this opportunity came along and was presented to me, it gave me the chance to get involved in um, not just taking the theory, but actually putting it into practice in an environment, in an organization, which is going through massive scale up right now and, you know, heading towards greater success over the next couple of years which means I can put a lot of that theory into practice. So a really, really different environment that I hadn't worked in before, which was which was really exciting and a great opportunity and challenge for me. That's fantastic. And right, there's no better feeling than when you can actually put those learnings into practice straight away. Right. And again, you're with a group that is growing and taking off and really going to create a lot of those really rewarding opportunities going forward. So congratulations again on that new role. And what I love, you're in that unique group as so many of us over the last few years who've joined a new organization during the pandemic and in oftentimes a remote setting where Getting acclimated into a new role is a bit different. I've been through it myself. You've also gone through it. So can you tell me, Karis, what are some of the things you found maybe particularly challenging with getting acclimated into a new group during this different time when you can't just necessarily be in an office and immediately be ingrained into corporate culture? Yeah, absolutely. And I've got to admit, I was nervous, right? It's the first time I'd ever joined an organization where I'd never met anybody face to face because all of the interview process, selection process, hiring process was all done in a virtual environment through Zoom meetings and telephone calls and what have you. So it was the first time that I'd, you know, taken, well, but on both sides, right? So I've taken the leap of faith as an employee to join an organization and never met the people or seen an office space or a working environment and vice versa. That company was taking a leap of faith in, in hiring me without having met me either. And, and that's not how we used to do things. You know, there was always, you know, some kind of in-person, on-site interview process or selection process. So, you know, it was a very, very different experience for myself and for many companies that have had to had to kind of overcome some of these challenges. So I think that, you know, there's a sense of nervousness around that. Am I going to find this environment something that's that's satisfying, that's engaging, that's, you know, really speaking to my values? Is the culture going to fit with, you know, how I operate and how I work? And I think it was going in with a really open mind that I think really helped in the first instance. One of the biggest challenges, not going to lie, I, I've never used a MacBook before. And I'm joining a tech company in a virtual environment and I get sent a MacBook and an iPhone. Um, and I'm, you know, previously all Windows and Android. So, you know, there was there were some challenges just in opening up the computer and logging in for the first time and really kind of understanding that and doing that in a in that kind of environment. But the IT team were phenomenal. They were so helpful in, in making sure I was set up and I had everything I needed and all of the walkthroughs. But that can be a challenge for people just getting the technology to work on day one and making sure that you're set up for for this digital world and for being able to collaborate and communicate with your colleagues and in a very very different way you can't just stick your head into into someone's office and say hey can I have a can I have a hand with this so you know there's there's all of those practical challenges and then it was you know how am I going to get to know all these people as the head of people I pride myself on being accessible to the people that I'm there to support and so in that digital environment it's really about navigating a new way of communicating and connecting. So some of the things that, that we do at ADA, for example, we use Slack like many other tech organizations, but we've created this phenomenal community in which everybody's interacting on a very equal level and an equal footing. 
both from a work perspective and those water cooler topics, you know, so said. So, you know, I could be in Slack and I can be, you know, collaborating with finance and product on some kind of project. And, you know, we're working on a document and jumping on a Zoom call or, or messaging through, uh, through Slack. And then the next thing I could be looking at photos of a colleague whose dogs just had puppies and ooing and ahhing along with everybody else in the organization and creating channels where like-minded individuals can come together and communicate and, and, and can talk. So I ride a motorcycle in my spare time. And so we've got a Slack channel for those of us that ride motorcycles and we can talk about rides that we've done or, you know, new parts that we've, that we've bought or whatever it might be. So there's a, a way to communicate on a different level. And then, you know, setting up, you know, meet and greet chats, we call them donuts, we use the donut app to be able to do that. And, you know, I can find myself jumping on a call once a week with, you know, somebody completely random across the organization. And it's such an incredible learning opportunity. You really get to understand, you know, what that people, what that person is doing from a work perspective, but also how are they, how are they managing? How are they coping? What's, what's going on in their lives that is, you know, either something to be celebrated or is something that's impacting them right now. And those kind of random chats are, are super helpful to be able to build that connectivity and, and a real learning opportunity for someone, you know, new to the company or new to the industry. So those have been really great opportunities as well. I love that. And you gave us such great insight in, in that care. I think the first thing that really stood out to me was just how different day one is in this new remote or hybrid era. It used to be you'd show up at your new job at the new office and you were taught or became acclimated with all of your tools, given your workplace setup, given your office, and really just naturally got to know your coworkers. Now it has to be a lot more intentional, yes. both in learning new technology, right? Whether it's an iPhone or learning a Mac or even just understanding the tools that get used. If it's Slack, yeah. Teams, you name it, any of the communication tools that are just commonplace with that office space, you need to learn that on the fly and oftentimes on your own. And luckily, so many of us do have the benefit of just great IT teams who are there to the rescue or great onboarding teams that can really help get you started and acclimated into a company. But it can be a challenge for many as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, setting people up for success in, the, in those early days is really important because people are nervous and, you know, there may be some technical challenges they need to overcome or, um, you know, they may need to learn new skills really, really quickly in order to be able to get up to speed and feel like they're contributing. And everybody joins an organization wanting to, you know, put their best foot forward and, and to bring impact and value right away. So, you know, those first couple of days, I think, you know, one of the things we've done at ADA is we've, we've set up three days of orientation. So we start cohort on a Wednesday. So every Wednesday, we'll have a cohort of individuals join ADA. And during the course of the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have a group of people that kind of walk them through that orientation in the first instance. So first of all, you're building a cohort. So you're, you're forcing them to make friends with people that have started on the same day, but it's great. It's cross-functional right from SVP level down to, you know, straight out of college level. So you've got all kinds of individuals in, in that setting, but they're building a bond during those early days. But then the orientation is so important. And, you know, it ranges across everything from how to do the IT setup, how to make sure you've got ergonomics set up correctly, how to log into Slack and make sure you're accessing all of the right channels that are relevant to you, both from a work perspective and from a social perspective. 
making sure that we're doing really thorough presentations and um, and discussions around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what does that mean for us at ADA? And um, you know how you can show up for your colleagues in that space. From other departments, marketing, talking about our brand. What does that mean to us? Talking about our values and our mission and what our goals are. And just helping people to, to get a really good understanding. And we also give them an opportunity to build a bot. Like ultimately, our technology is based on chatbots. And so, you know, on, on a very user-friendly for dummies level, um, you know, give them the opportunity to actually get into the technology that we're working with and we're creating and, and build a bot. So there's lots of opportunities to collaborate, form some bonds, ask all of the dumb questions that you've got in the first couple of days in a safe space and making sure then that the following week when they go into onboarding with their actual teams and their manager, um, that they at least feel like they've had a couple of days of orientation to get their their feet under the desk and feel a little bit settled. So um, that's really important for us. That's fantastic. I love the, the bot approach as well, where you really feel as if you're a part of the organization in those first couple of days and participating and feeling like you're a part of it and really involved. It's really smart and a really unique approach. So with that being said, Karis, for any of our listeners, any of who are HR professionals, what can they introduce to their own onboarding processes to ease that newness, that change, that introduction to a new company and to a new role that many first-time or new employees are challenged with in a remote era? Yeah, I mean, I would say an orientation session, you know, as, as long as you can do. Um, like I say, we do three days, which works for us in terms of the type of content that we want to share with people, but also give people chunks of time to be able to fill in their benefits forms or set up their payroll effectively or you know also just to familiarize themselves with our internal intranet for example and find some pages that might be useful for them in their role but having that orientation i think has been such a valuable piece of of the onboarding process it's a little bit less daunting than showing up on on day one having a quick 45 minute one-to-one with your manager and expecting to do work you need to have time to be able to acclimatize and accustomize to to the new environment and the new setting so that kind of orientation piece is is critical i think helping to share things like values you know our mission our vision talking about what our our north star is our, our guiding objectives and goals is really important just to ensure people are are hearing that for the first time in a in a safe space uh, where they can ask questions and and really get to understand it bringing forward things around you know how to use technology where to find things is really important showing them how to communicate how do we how do we communicate here what's the kind of etiquette if you like and different companies have different ways you know what do i post on slack or what do i put in an email for example that can vary widely across a bunch of different organizations talking about DE&I and you know how that shows up at, at the organization and why that's important and you know how you can get involved and be an ally or engage from an employee resource group perspective or whatever that might be so i think those things are, are really key just to give people that platform of of knowledge it's almost like going on a first date, right? And you're trying to find out about each other and, you know, understand what makes each other tick and, you know, what are you passionate about and how can you best communicate with each other? And I think that is really helpful in those first couple of days. Yeah, that first date comparison is fantastic. That's a good one, Karis. <laughs> what I really like too is what you mentioned about the mission statement. I think that is so crucial, mm-hmm. especially from day one with your new employees to help understand here's what we strive for. Here's what we aim to be as a company. This is what our corporate culture is. This is what drives us. That clarity really helps and just helps everyone buy in toward one goal, especially as we're so separated physically. 
you at least can pull everyone together with one core mission, what you're working toward, one central point. And that's, I think, so smart to start your onboarding with that process and have, again, the, the new teams and new employees feel invested in a part of that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it ranges from being able to know where to find the resources, like how to self-serve on things. That's really important. People want to be self-sufficient as quickly as possible. We always encourage people to ask a ton of questions, but as a new person, you don't want to outstay your welcome on asking a ton of questions. So you want to know how to self-serve in a certain way. But then it's so important that there's an overall kind of that North Star of, okay, how do I, how do I know that the work I'm doing is actually adding value to the mission of the organization? And then from there, you can go back into your teams and understand, okay, at a team level, at a department level, what does that actually mean on a day-to-day basis? How is that you know, practical from my work perspective? So the work I'm actually doing, I can then see how that lines up with that, with that overall company mission and the North Star. Absolutely. Okay, so changing gears here, but staying with the theme of change. I think there's so much change the experience as a new employee coming into a company. But how about those employees and the employers just in general? who are now moving from a remote environment, oftentimes working from home, to now moving back to some version of an in-office work setting. I think we've seen so many companies either fully make that transition or starting to or ramping up to that transition in the coming months as we're in the spring of 2022, entering into the summer months, and we're seeing a lot of companies come back. So what do you see for those teams that are returning, some of the bigger challenges on the horizon for teams that are coming back into some kind of shared workspace? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, what One of the things that we did at ADA, and it was moving that way before COVID, but certainly COVID accelerated it, was that we actually kind of put our stake in the ground and said that we're going to be a digital first organization. And so, you know, we have a digital bill of rights where there's, you know, expectations laid out about what that means. How do you show up? How do you communicate? How do you collaborate, et cetera? which has been a real, a real kind of, um, I, I guess, a, a Bible for, for how the organization functions. And so, you know, we primarily say most of the work that you do can be done in a virtual setting. However, we recognize there are certain things that are better to be done when you're in person. Things like socializing, things like laughter, like building rapport, like having fun. You know, those kind of things can often happen, you know, much, much better in an in-person setting. And so we've started as, as the world is opening up again, creating opportunities for teams to come together on a more regular basis to be able to do that. And sure, you're going to work. That's a priority. But at the same time, really need to build time into that socialization piece to help people collaborate, to build rapport, because that rapport then lasts a lifetime. Once you've met somebody face-to-face and, and you've had the opportunity to laugh together or to play or you know whatever that might be, to team building, and then you take that work back into the digital world again afterwards, it's so much easier to be able to have that interpersonal relationship with somebody and understand what's important to them and what makes them tick and you know how you can make that relationship more successful going forward. So creating opportunities for people to collaborate and socialize is, is really key for us. But I think one of the things is we were doing a lot of research around this in terms of you know those organizations that are bringing people back into the office space. The number one requirement from employees was flexibility. And I think that was key. I think people had learned during the early stages of the pandemic that they could be productive working from home or that they could have a much better work-life balance because they're eliminating two hours of commute a day or they are able to do more focused work. There's less distraction. So there's there's definitely the, um, the, the requirement for organizations to have a, a level of flexibility. And I think that providing that flexibility means that you are creating a much more inclusive environment where different individuals with different needs are able to still show up 
provide a ton of value, be super productive, but in a way that works best for them. The other piece of flexibility is for some people that were working from home, found it really hard to be productive. Like there may be a ton of distractions. They may be working in a space with housemates or, or um, kids, dogs. You know, we've, we've all had all of those distractions. And although they become, you know, a part of our day-to-day working life now, for those that found it really hard to be productive at home, you know, that they'll want to have more opportunity to be in an office space. So providing that flexibility. So we've also given access at ADA for people to have a co-working space as well so that they can build in that, that level of flexibility into, into their working environment. And you know, if they want to stay home one day, work from home, they've got some deep work to do or some strategic work, or they want to be super focused on some programming that they're doing, whatever it might be, then great. But then they want to go and collaborate to solve a problem and they can get a group of people together in a co-working space and actually have that opportunity too. So providing that flexibility was absolutely key. And I think that's the number one piece of advice. The flexibility piece is so interesting. That to me says, as we're talking about change, it's not just the employees having to change and adapt to what's going to be a new work setting, but it's also the employers having to change what they're providing and some of the, let's call them soft benefits or just general approach with the workspace and understanding that, yeah, a majority of employees want to see a new approach and have a different set of values and what they see as the optimal work setting. And it can't just be, hey, we're returning back to the office in full. Right. Going forward on this date, there needs to be some flexibility and just some changing and shifting in the employee experience. 100%. And I think the employee experience piece is absolutely critical to it. And I think that there's a, you know, a number of different ways that you can look at this. Because like I say, everybody has different preferences. They're at different times in their lives. They've got different external factors that are influencing, you know, how they're able to show up each day. And you need to take that into accommodation. And Ada, we talk a little bit about supporting the whole human. Like we're not just supporting somebody in an office between the hours of nine to five anymore. Um, You know, people do have lives outside of work and we need to make sure that we're providing a supportive environment for them to show up authentically as their whole selves whatever that might be. And and sometimes that's, you know, supporting them through some really tough times. Sometimes that's celebrating the great times. Sometimes that's bugging people to take vacation because they haven't done for a little while. And, you know, just making sure that we're creating that that space. And so the, the experience that people have working with you is super important. And so for organizations, we do need to think, again, a lot more intentionally about how we create that environment in a hybrid or a digital workplace. Karis, that leads perfectly to my next question. And we're going to release this episode as part of our HR Benefits Week on HR Daily Advisor. So looking at benefits, one of the benefits I've seen change just in the workplace, and many companies have been introducing to the workplace, is more of a focus on health, wellness, Mm. be it mental or physical. So what you touched on there with encouraging employees to bring their full self and fully supporting employees that really ties in together. So what are some steps and what are some things teams are introducing into their benefits plans that revolve around wellness and health, be it again, mental or physical? Yeah, a great question. And and very much top of mind. One of the really cool things about Ada and certainly an attractor for me when I was investigating the opportunity that was presented to me to join them, we actually have two social workers on staff, qualified social workers on staff. And these individuals 
are there to really support our ADA employees, regardless of whether it's a work or a social or a personal situation that they're going through right now. It's fully confidential. So they have the opportunity to have one-to-one time with these social workers. The social workers are able to support them, um, you know, provide some tools and some resources, uh, direct them to specific uh, programs that we have available through benefits plans and EFAP programs and things like that, but also to take the time to really listen to what it is that they're going through right now and be able to help support them through that. So it may be a conflict with their manager or another colleague, or it may be something more personal where they're having, you know, issues at home with their family or, um, you know, with their accommodation or whatever it might be, or their health. And so really making sure that we're there to support them through that as well and can provide opportunities for them to gain access. And I have to say, this is one of our most popular programs. You know, as we continue to scale, we've been able to also kind of put some programs around some of this as well. So we had Mental Health Month in March, which enabled us to actually run a series of programs that touched on all kinds of different areas. And we had speakers come in and talk about everything from, you know, how to put better boundaries in place for work-life balance or how to build resiliency. Um, We did a a wellness bingo where we encourage people to try new things, whether it be meditation or taking a walk at lunchtime, just 20 minutes to get yourself moving or, you know, whatever that might be to encourage people to to bring new positive habits into their into their daily work time frame. Um, So lots of things like that that I think that, you know, we're continuing to do. And I think it's so important. Because ultimately, your most productive employees as as an organization are going to be those that feel the most supportive and have access to the types of tools and resources they need to be able to work through life's challenges. And everybody's going to have them. Like We can't pretend it's not going to happen, right? Everybody's going to go through something at some time in their life or, or on multiple occasions. And so how can we make sure that we're there to support them through that? So that's been such an incredibly positive piece. And the other benefit as well from an HR perspective is that although those conversations are 100% confidential those themes can then be bubbled up so if there's themes coming through from the conversations that the social workers are having you know we're able to understand okay there's a theme here how can we address that as an organization because if these people are feeling it then it's probably wider spread and so we can start to bubble up some of those issues or challenges but yeah everything from being able to support you know we've got ukrainian employees that you know we're going through some really really tough times and you know being able to support them through that and understand what we needed to do as an organization how to rally you know everybody together to be supportive was such a benefit of some of those kind of early stage conversations where um you know individuals were really struggling so we've we we've got a great opportunity there to to really tap into you know doing a bit of a, a health check with our employees to be able to understand how we can best support them going forward that's a great and really intentional focus on the health and wellness benefits that you're offering your employees. And that's, that's so crucial. And again, plays back into corporate culture and really just ultimately creates the better working experience for your employees, whether again, you're fully remote or back in the office, but having those outlets, having those resources where again, we're, we're going through so much change in our personal lives and with the expectation of bringing our full selves to the workplace and having that be a part of who you are at work there are going to be some days that you're having challenges. And I think offering those resources, a wellness resource or a wellness benefit used to be having a gym on campus or a gym in the office or access to to where you could work out. Now it's more than that, right? It's looking at the mental piece of wellness as well as the physical piece and really creating a full package of support to create and help employees bring their best and full self to work. Yeah, exactly. And we couple that with, you know, some of the kind of physical activities as well. We have class pass, for example, that, you know, enables people to take virtual or in-person classes at gyms close to where they live or online. 
So we've got those, you know, that kind of coupled up with the kind of physical and mental health to be able to make sure that we're trying to cover all of the different bases. But one of the things that's important is, you know, from a philosophical perspective and strategically, you really need to make sure that it's not just a case of saying, hey, we're here to support people's mental health and we notice that there's a ton of burnout going on right now so here's a yoga class or here's a meditation class that actually needs to be some intentionality around fixing the the root cause of that problem too right so the the yoga class or the meditation could be great as a relief if that's where the person's at but what's the root cause is it that they're overwhelmed with you know too much work if have they got too many meetings are they finding it difficult to prioritize do they have clear direction on the work that they're doing so you've got to go back and and, and really kind of make sure that you're digging into that root cause piece as well. Otherwise, it's it's just it's just a Band-Aid. Right. That's a great approach. I, I really like that. Oftentimes, if employees challenge with burnout, they probably don't have time or in their minds don't have time to engage in activities outside of their day-to-day work. They're trying to just get through their day. So how do you best reach those employees? I think you had mentioned creating themed weeks. So how would you recommend HR leaders and teams implement approaches into their benefit systems to best reach employees in need of these resources? There's a couple of things. I think one of the the key things is ensuring people do feel like they have permission, right, to be able to do that. So leaders setting an example is something that I'm I'm a big fan of, and I continue to encourage our leaders here at Ada to really make sure they're setting an example. Um, we have unlimited PTO, so um, people can take vacation. Obviously, you, you need to get it approved by your manager to make sure that it's the right time and all the rest of it. But we have unlimited PTO. We also have ten Ada days during the year. These are um, specific Ada holidays typically on a Friday, where everybody shuts down for that day. And we also shut down between the Christmas and New Year period as well. So there's specific days where nobody should be working. And that means that, you know, even if you're taking a day off, um, you're not going to be bothered by anybody else because everybody else is also off. And that's important to be able to create that space and that time and give people permission to be able to do things outside of work and say, okay, everybody Ada is going to be off that day. And it's then a case of saying, okay, well, that gives everybody a long weekend. Nobody's working on that Friday. So you feel like you have permission. You feel like you have the support and you feel like others are setting an example. And so you don't need to keep an eye on the Slack messages. You don't need to keep an eye on your emails. So you can genuinely take that time to spend with your family or on some self-care or some self-love or go for that hike in in the forest and, you know, feel better for breathing the fresh air or, or whatever works for you, right? So we give people the space to do that. So I think that's important. And then it's about making sure we're really promoting the tools and the resources that are available to people. And then our Uh, social workers are proactively reaching out to people as well. And so they might say, hey, we haven't checked in for three or four months. It'd be great to just put 30 minutes in the calendar and just see how you're doing. And, you know, that that person might be doing great. And it's like, okay, well, that's fantastic. But when was the last time you took vacation? Hey, why don't you go book something now? Chat to your manager or just making sure that we're being proactive about it, I think is really important. Um, And then various other ways of communicating that through Slack channels, um, through emails, newsletter blasts, as well as what we have. We have a biweekly team sync where everybody in the organization, we jump on a call for an hour uh, and make sure, you know, people are aware of what's going on. So making sure we're fully promoting those and and ensuring people have access. So as many touch points as we can to, to help people gain access to that. But I think giving permission and providing the space and the time is also really important. That's a really smart approach. I really like what you mentioned too, in terms of having intentional off days, break days, where it is being proactive. You're getting out in front of potential burnout and making sure, okay, there are days where everyone gets to take a breather and nobody is locked in. You're not feeling compelled to 
jump in and check your email if you're out of the office. It, it's an understood day to take a breath and, and really reset and come back stronger, I think is, is really smart. And it's been interesting to see too the shift in the approach to PTO and just vacation time and that benefit to the workplace. We're seeing a growing trend of unlimited PTO becoming available as a benefit to employees. And oftentimes you find that you may not be using as much time or even unlimited PTO. There's still a cap to that because obviously you have to get your work done, Mm. but there's less stress and pressure to feel like you need to use your time or that you're leaving time on the table. It's understood that you take the time when you need it. And it's a mindset shift, right? So instead of having like a more traditional organization, you have a maximum of three weeks vacation. We have a minimum. So we say everybody must take two weeks off a year in addition to the extra days, right? The the ADA days or the stat holidays. So there's a minimum expectation rather than a maximum expectation. I think that then gives people, like I say, that permission to feel like it's okay to take time off and it's okay to take vacation. And by by thinking about it slightly differently, just puts a very different spin on it for people. So um, yeah, I, I would highly encourage it. I think it's been super effective. We definitely haven't seen anybody take advantage of it. I think that was the biggest fear kind of before this became more commonplace. But people don't take advantage of it because you're right people still want to do their jobs they want to show up and add value so that's really interesting and as we're looking at the approach to pto being different and changing at many workplaces is there one element that you could look at as a pre-pandemic staple of the working world that is now irrelevant and has become a relic and really just something that is a thing of the past i think there's a few but my favorite is the way that we measure performance. So I think in prior times, in in more kind of typical organizations that were very office oriented, somebody's performance and productivity was often measured by the amount of time they sat in their seat at their desk, right? And that is no longer the case because we're not watching people work anymore. And so what we're actually measuring is output, outcomes, deliverables, And so our benchmark of what is productive has shifted from, okay, this person, you know, is in the office from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. They must be a really hard worker and, you know, a great team player and great collaborator. And that's no longer the case. It's more a question of, okay, this person's delivered on this. They've provided this output. They've achieved this success. This is the measure that, you know, we're actually benchmarking against. So it's a very, very different switch. And again, I think it's taken a while for some managers to be able to get their heads around that new way of managing people. But I love the fact that we're not just, we're not just celebrating presenteeism, but we're really celebrating outputs and outcomes. And I think that's a much healthier work environment for everybody. Right. It's what you accomplished, not in what hours did you get the work done. Right. Uh, it really makes the what the Dolly Parton song of working nine to five become an absolute relic and, and probably will be lost on generations to follow. Yeah. Love Dolly. But yeah, no, no more of that. Right. The idea of punching the <laughs> clock is becoming a bygone era. Yeah. That's so interesting. And again, Karis, looking at just how the workplace is changing. What do you see as the future of the workplace going forward? And with that, the relationship between employers and employees? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's already started to shift uh, quite quite dramatically. I think the, the workplace 
now has such different meaning to what it was before. The workplace used to be a specific office in a specific building and a specific street in a certain city, but that's just been blown out of the water. And so the workplace now is anywhere that you're actually doing your work. And so my workplace is in my basement in my house, um, but somebody else's workplace could be in a coffee shop. Um, somebody else's workplace could be in a shared office uh, we work or something like that. So the workplace, the definition of that has completely changed. Um, and I think that you know, again, providing that level of flexibility to people to be able to work in the place that best enables them to show up and be successful is the best way organizations can support that. But providing that that variety and that flexibility is so key. And then in terms of the, the relationship between employers and employees, I think, you know, to my point earlier, like everybody has a non-work persona that shouldn't have to be kept hidden from everybody else. Like, you know, being able to show up authentically, being able to say, hey, do you know what? I've got to dash out in the next half an hour, pick my kid up from school. Or, hey, my dog's really sick. I need to take the dog to a vet. Or, hey, you know, my mum's just got COVID. I need to take around a bowl of chicken soup. And be able to actually share that and that being that we kind of normalized, I think is really important. And so that relationship between employer and employee is that there's an expectation from employees for employers to be more understanding around the levels of flexibility they need in order to be successful. But at the same time, an employer is there to really help ensure that that employee can be as productive and as successful as possible by having access to the right tools and resources. And so that that shift has changed, I think, quite dramatically over the last couple of years. And we're definitely Definitely seeing expectations change from employees. Um, and so things that were considered uh, tolerable before are no longer tolerable, um, which, which I think is, is really positive for, and, and very healthy for, for both the company and, and the individual as well. Absolutely. Right. We're entering a new working world and learning so much as we go. I think that's what's so exciting. Over the last two years, we've learned so much and we'll continue to learn what the right way and, and the best way for each employer, for each company is going forward. There's not one set way. And that is that flexibility that you mentioned 100%. and being able to adapt to what works best for you. There's no set standard anymore. Right. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we have had to be way more intentional about is communication. Like, how do we communicate with people? How do we ensure people don't miss out or feel excluded or um, you know, don't feel like they're getting the right information to be able to, to do their job or to feel that they belong in that organization. So communication is absolutely critical to that. So any organization, you know, in that hybrid or digital workspace where you don't have the ease of bumping into people in the hallway or, you know, going into a conference room or whatever that might be, finding creative and innovative ways to be able to, to communicate with your employees and each other is absolutely critical. So that I think, again, for me is is a big one. Well said. Okay, so we're joined here today with Karis Hogarty, head of people at Ada. Now, Karis, we've talked about change so much. What's something you've learned over the last two years that's made you a more effective and better leader? Gosh, I think I think the piece about the whole human um, that it isn't just the hours of kind of to Dolly's point nine to five. I think that has been a a real a real kind of eye opener to many people, but I've certainly learned that empathy is possibly one of the most critical skills a people leader can have right now. Being able to bring empathy into your role, and I don't just mean people in the sense of HR, I mean anybody who's managing people, to bring empathy into the workplace has been such a 
such an incredible opportunity for leaders to be able to show up in a way that they've they've not necessarily had to before. So I think, you know, I would definitely say the skill of being empathetic and being able to understand what people are experiencing from different perspectives has been a big skill that has helped me, I think, over the last couple of years, really stay connected with with people on my team as well as across the organization. It's a great takeaway from, again, the last two years where we've learned so much, right? It's learning and understanding that not everyone's going to deal with things and react the same way. And, and that being okay, and, and again, coaching them through that and leading people through that is, is absolutely a great takeaway. And then tell me as well, so do you have any professional advice that you've leaned on throughout your career that you would like to share with our audience of HR professionals to help them along? I think to talk about kind of creativity and innovation, I don't have a traditional HR upbringing, if you like, from a career perspective. I, I grew up more in the talent acquisition space. I, you know, I didn't go and do a master's in, in HR. I um, you know, wasn't an HR business partner. Um, so to try new things, whether you pilot that with a small group of people or over a, over a period of time, being creative and innovative to understand what's working and what's not working is really important and not being afraid of failure. Like failure is a gift. If you don't get it right the first time, make sure you, you take that opportunity to learn from what went right or what went wrong and then really be able to, to switch up how you're doing things. But um, don't be afraid of failure. Try new things. Be creative. Be innovative. And it's amazing what, you know, what new ways of working or new opportunities you have to, to collaborate with people that will come out of that. And so, yeah, creativity and innovation. That's great. You're right. Embracing failure, but learning from failure as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Carrots, I need to know, as we're talking about bringing your full self to work, you mentioned you're a motorcycle rider. Yes. What do you ride, first of all? I have a Moto Guzzi 750. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay. And do you have a favorite ride that you've gone on? Well, I'm living in Vancouver. I have the benefit of being able to ride up to Whistler. So the Sea to Sky Highway is pretty special. On a sunny day, um, uh, sunny dry day I, I would say there's lots of twists and turns but that is one of the most stunning drives you can ever do and doing it on a motorbike is is just 10 times better that's fantastic I think you're my first motorcycle rider of the interviews I've <laughs> done for the HR Works podcast uh, and I had to ask the question that's fantastic so Karis before we wrap here today do you have anything you'd like to plug and share with our audience? I, I think I'd just reiterate the fact that we're we're in huge growth mode. Uh, so we're scaling up pretty big over the next couple of years. So I would recommend anybody to take a look at our careers site, on our website, check out the jobs and opportunities that are there. Keep an eye on it. We've got tons of opportunities right now in a whole host of different spaces, whether you're a finance professional, whether you're a, you come from marketing, engineering, software development, sales, whatever that might be. Um, we've got a ton of opportunities right now. So I, I would say, you know, if there's anything, check out our website, look at the careers page and see if Ada could be a fit for you. Okay. And what's the website address? Uh, ada.cx. All right. Perfect. So again, Karis Hogarty, head of people at Ada. Thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast, giving us a great conversation, really looking at how workers, employees, and employers can adapt and deal with change in the coming years as we all return to the workplace. It's been great fun. Thank you so much for having me. Likewise. Take care. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.